Welcome to the podcast. Our focus today is the state's nursing home industry, which says it is struggling to survive even as the state's population is aging and the need for nursing home services is rising. I'm Bruce Mole from Commonwealth Magazine, and joining me are two officials from the industry, Tara Gregorio, the president of the Massachusetts Senior Care Association, and Naomi Prendergast, the CEO of Duville Life and Wellness Community in Lowell. Welcome to both of you. Thank you. Thank you. Tara, let's start with you. Give us a quick overview of what you see happening right now in the industry. Well, we see for the first time in many years a tremendous deterioration of nursing facilities, largely due to changes in the marketplace. So while we do have an aging population, many are choosing to stay in the community longer, which is a great um, alternative for them. And the state has made tremendous efforts to invest in what we call community-based services. So what that means is when people access nursing facility care, they're doing it later in their end-of-life stage and are, are more needy. And the state pays for those services. And unfortunately, they have not kept up with the cost of care. And particularly the cost have to do with workforce. Seven out of um, 75 cents of every dollar a nursing facility spends goes directly to wages and benefits for our frontline staff. And as you know very well, we are in a full employment economy and it's tremendously difficult to compete for staff and our ability to compete for staff is largely dependent on government funding that has not kept up with the cost of care. And you mentioned uh, nursing homes are deteriorating. I think that was the word you used. You mean they're going out of business? They're We had 20 nursing facilities close last year, which is the highest we've had in the past two decades. We also see financial conditions. We have across the Commonwealth a negative margin of negative 1.6%, which means that facilities are unable to pay their bills. Mm. And so you expect more closures if if the situation... We estimate that there are 39 additional facilities that are at risk of closure this year. Naomi, how about your facility? What are you seeing at your own facility. Absolutely. And we are a uh, faith-based nonprofit north of Boston in Lowell. Um, We have 241 skilled beds on our campus. And we draw very much from the greater Lowell area. So people of all backgrounds. um, And what we see is exactly what Tara is bringing up. The reimbursement has absolutely not caught up. And of course, the minimum wage keeps on going up, which is a wonderful thing. As I mentioned, we're a mission-based, faith-based nonprofit. We want to pay our staff as much as we possibly can. But the problem is we have a cap on what we can charge because of that public reimbursement. So unlike other types of businesses who can simply respond to the minimum wage increases by raising their rates, think of a restaurant or think of a clothing retailer, for example, we can not. And so that's where that negative margin comes from, because we are truly getting squeezed in the middle. And Tara, you raised an interesting point. I think all of us know some elderly person that is wanting to stay in their home or apartment as long as they can. Uh, and, and so I had never really thought about the flip side of that, at that when they do are required to need more care and have to move out. They're coming to your facilities in need of greater care. And so the cost of providing that, I, I would assume it's sort of like uh, any type of business. If you have some people that are relatively easy to care for, that helps keep your cost down and offsets the higher cost. But 
you're sort of seeing the, the scale tipping, it sounds like. We are seeing residents with greater needs, without a doubt, and that does come with increased costs. And so it's important to note two things, I believe. One is that the state determines who accesses nursing facility care, so that we have state programs and, and um, contractors that say, we no longer can care for you safely in the community. So it is time now and appropriate for you to access nursing facility care. So it's the state that has decided or determined that there no longer is a safe community placement. And then with that, as those um, elders enter into a nursing facility, they do require assistance with virtually all aspects of daily living. And by that, we mean helping with assistance going to the bathroom, with um, eating, clothing, ambulating, and their medical needs, primarily um, dementia, so we think Alzheimer's disease, um, and they have really acute medical clinical needs, as well as just assistance getting around in their activities of daily living. And the, the need would seem to be, because the population certainly is aging, and it's going to start dramatically aging, I think, that the need is going to be rising fairly, even, even though it is they're coming in later in life, that, that it finally catches up one way or the other. There's Absolutely. More. When you look at the demographics, we do have um, the silver tsunami, as people call it, and they're going to need an enormous amount of care, whether it is in the community or in our skilled nursing facilities. And what we're saying is we're very concerned today that we don't have the resources, whether it's staff or funding to support today's needs, let alone what's coming in the next five, 10 years. And I would say that's true across all of long-term care services. So workforce is an enormous challenge for us. Um, again, because we're in a full employment economy, um, most of our staff in, across Massachusetts working in nursing facilities are first-generation Americans. So immigrant policies that are happening down in D.C. have a real-time impact here in Massachusetts. We estimate that 1,100 workers were impacted by the um, president's decision not to extend the temporary protective status, in pri primarily for Haitian workers. So that's 1,100 workers that we cannot afford to lose. For example, we have 4,400 vacant positions today that we need to hire. And the projections are triple in the next five to 10 years. How many nursing homes are there in Massachusetts? We have 398 licensed facilities in Massachusetts. Okay. So when you say 38, I think you said, were at risk, mm -hmm. uh, that's a significant percentage. Absolutely. And I think that what we need to remember, um, we have data, the state has data, and we're great at showing numbers. But these are humans, whether it's the residents that are relocated out of a nursing facility or the staff who are, and you know these people in your life, they are dedicated. This is a mission for them because why else would they work in a nursing facility earning on average $14.50 and perhaps working a second or third job? So these are humans in, in our community, our citizens, our friends that we need to remember as we're, we're debating this policy. Naomi, could you walk us through a little bit about the, the revenue you get from the state under MassHealth and, and how much how how effective is it at covering your costs? I would assume you're going to say it's not effective, but paint a picture of how that works. Sure, that's an excellent assumption, and in fact, it's true. Um, on average, we lose about thirty-seven to thirty-eight dollars per day on every single person who's in our facility on Mass Health. That's a statewide average, and the fact is that many nursing homes, mine included, relies about seventy percent on Mass Health for all the revenue. So it 
is a case where we lose a significant amount of money every day on mass health, and it used to be that we could rely on Medicare and other payers, commercial payers, to make up the difference. But that isn't true anymore either. Because of the changing reimbursement systems, what we see is that the revenue in general is down, but it's down so dramatically um, in with the mass health. And again, we have no way to close that gap. And um, is it is it down on mass health because the way they calculate the reimbursements is is off some way? One of you yeah. explain that for me. Sure, Massachusetts is actually unique in that we have a separate reimbursement system for mass health that is dependent on. Um, on documentation that shows people's needs, such as needs with activities of daily life, as Tara was explaining before, bathing, dressing, toileting, etc. And um, because of that system and the rising acuity, the, the system doesn't necessarily capture the reimbursement that needed for what we are actually providing. We talked about acuity before, and people are coming to us much older, much sicker, with complex medical conditions, and the mass health system doesn't really reimburse us for that. But, Tara, I've seen some stuff that, that they were reimbursing nursing homes, the state of mass health, at 2007 cost levels, Correct. whereas you're sort of saying, hey, we're, we're well beyond 2007. That's right. So we currently, our reimbursement rates, the state pays um, based on 2007 costs, despite the fact that we have a law um, that says you, can, you have to base rates on more current costs. In fact, it's four years from the rate year. That's a little complicated, but right now we're in fiscal year 2019. So if we do the math, we should be at least at 2015 as the basis for our rates. Um, and so we are asking legislators and the governor to update our rates using 2017 costs. It's the most current available data. Um, as I mentioned earlier, states, excuse me, nursing facilities, they file with the state a plethora of financial and data, so it's all there for us to analyze and look at and see that this is a severely underfunded system. And just picking up on what Naomi had to say about how facilities are managing this shortfall, it's actually off the backs of we, we're not able to pay the living wage that we want to for our workers, and it's vendors. So we have recently looked at accounts payable, um, again, off of cost reports filed with the state, and accounts payable, outstanding accounts payable, have spiked massively. So in 2017, it, it's, a, it's a point in time, but you had $440 million in outstanding accounts payable. So that means facilities aren't able to pay their vendors. Um, on time or if at all. And so we're seeing that then downstream. We had Trident Healthcare, which is a, a, a large national company that provides x-ray services and blood testing, etc. They filed for bankruptcy two weeks ago. We had Omnicare, which is a subsidiary of CVS, say we have to take a $220 million charge because of, and there were a lot of factors, but they did in their press statement at, allude to the fact that there were changes in the skilled nursing facility marketplace, both reimbursement as well as occupancy. So there are a lot of factors and warning signs to say that we need to invest in this system immediately. Over and above quality. Not, let's not forget residents who right. are at the end receiver of this, and, and which is what so many of us um, are doing and working towards, is to make sure that we have high quality nursing facilities in the Commonwealth. So why is the state doing it at 2007 uh, cost levels? 
I think, in, and in fairness, there has been, um, on the state's part, there have been other areas of the rate that they've re they've provided funding for. Um, again, not in the way that we need. We are a system that's annually underfunded by MassHealth in the to the tune of $350 million. So we've had some investments, including a direct care add-on. And what that was is it was $35 million in fiscal year 2016 that went out directly to nursing home workers and facilities had to document to the state that this money didn't go to replace roofs or other um, vital needs. It went directly to staff wages because we knew that that's where we need to spend our money. Um, so that was an investment that they that they made in fiscal year 2016. But now we're in fiscal year, we're debating fiscal year 2020 and we need to build upon that. The governor and his secretary, um, Mary Lou Sutters, have also identified this as a real need and, and have acted in most recent rates by investing $25 million, which was a critical first step in helping to stabilize the nursing facility community. But we need to build upon that, and that's what we're hoping to do in this budget cycle. So I'm still a little confused, sure. though. If, <clears throat> if they set rates at a 2007 level, but then make like separate investments, it's sort of their way of, uh, when I say there, the state's way of, of helping with the problem, but not really addressing it, it's, it sounds like. Okay, I, you're shaking your head yes, you don't? <laughs> I, I, I want to acknowledge that it has been incredibly, uh, I recognize that budget, state budgets have been difficult to manage on account of different, uh, the shortfalls and the Great Recession. But yes, it, it is a way of um, throwing some money, but not what's truly needed in Naomi. <laughs> Right. If I might add, when there's a wage pass-through as opposed to putting the money directly into the base, at the nursing home level, we're going out on a limb because we are relying on that wage pass-through money for that year, but there's no guarantee that it's happening next year. And so we have to increase our wages. We can't just give out a bonus because of competition in the area. And so we truly are on a, uh, a hope and a prayer that the, the state is going to fund us the same way the following year, but there are absolutely no guarantees, and we understand that, but we have to pay our staff. So your tone is that your facility is in a precarious situation. Is, is that a fair way to say it? Absolutely. My, my facility is. And we are one of the largest nursing homes in the state. I mentioned we have 241 beds on our campus. 202 of that is Medicare, Medicaid certified. And at 202 beds, that's one of the largest in the Commonwealth. We're on a bus line, we're in Lowell, we're a nonprofit, and I like to say we're the poster child for the problem because if Duval is having this kind of an issue, you can be sure that everyone is. And are you one of the 38 that Tara mentioned that it's... No. No. So you're in, in still relatively better shape than a lot of your... Um, fellow facilities. We are, and also because we've diversified. On our campus, we have other services as well that help speed our bottom line. But the fact of, of the matter is, is that our nursing facility is the engine that drives the campus. And the labor shortage is just throughout every single community 
in the state, and that's something that really needs to be addressed. And there was a Lowell building that closed last year, and in that region, we do see access to nursing facility care tightening. And so what that means is as a family needs to access a nursing facility for a loved one, that means they're going to have to start traveling outside of the greater Lowell area. And that those are, again, signs that we need to watch and be thoughtful about nursing facility policy. Um. The Mass Health budget is often referred to as a budget buster in the, in the state budget and, and a big headache. The Baker administration has had some success in reining in the growth in that, in that budget item. But it sort of sounds like from what you're saying, they're doing it with a bit of smoke and mirrors. Um, they're deferring you know, expenses that probably should be included now, and that's reducing maybe the overall growth in the program, but, but they're doing it... In a, in a way that could have negative consequences yeah. down the road. I think that they're looking at all sorts of strategies and have prioritized certainly um, the waiver that they received under previous administrations, both governor and presidential, to make sure that they had um, have protected our uh, insurance for all monies that we've had coming into the federal government uh, from the federal government. They've also worked really hard to look at a new model of care care called accountable care organizations so that we have more um, uh, a, con a greater continuum and collaboration among providers as a way to reduce re redundancy and costs. But that's more on the ambulatory side, the younger side of um, mass health beneficiaries. But over on the long-term care services and support side, I, I do believe that they are um, stepping up and wanting to be helpful. It's just we seem to um, need to move at a quicker pace. And they've begun those investments along with other budget strategies like figuring out ways that we can reduce pharmacy costs. We see skyrocket, skyrocketing pharmacy costs in skilled nursing facilities. MassHealth does too. So those are areas in which I think they're trying to look more closely. How do we ensure access to care for the state's Medicaid beneficiaries? And we're, on, we're cheering for that. We want you to ensure access, but you need to pay for those services too, because that's the second part of the equation. It's great to create health insurance for everybody through the Mass Health program, but then you have to make sure you're paying adequately for those services. And you mentioned something uh, I, I wanted to follow up a little bit on. You said the state determines when someone is no longer mm -hmm. capable of uh, living in their own home, I guess, even with uh, ancillary services. Um, is that unique to Massachusetts, or is that pretty common for all states? Sure. For the Mass Health, for any um, Medicaid or government service, they have certain eligibility guidelines. And so you have to be clinically eligible for nursing facility care, and as well as financially eligible. And so the clinical eligibility, and you can be nursing facility eligible clinically and through, through what's called the Frail Elder Waiver, you can access nursing facility-like services in your home. And so that's been a great development over the last decade to allow people to access services in the community. And then the second is financial eligibility. So the folks that determine those clinical eligibility placements are what's called the ASAPs, the Aging Access Service Points. And we have those associated with um, elder services programs throughout the Commonwealth of Massachusetts. 
So what you meant is not that they actually make that determination, you have to go into a nursing home at this point. It's that they determine whether you're eligible to go into a nursing home. So, is, am I right about that? Yes. What what typically the trajectory is, is um, very typically, and Naomi can speak to this too, is that um, somebody in the community has a medical episode that requires them to go to the hospital. And so they either um, come in for short-term stay, which means, and Medicare pays for that short-term visit, and they stay, get the rehab they needed, and go home back to the community with supports. But while in the facility, if it's determined together with the family, the individual, as well as the ASAP that a community placement is no longer suitable, that's when you have what we call a conversion onto Medicaid. I see. Uh, and is the perception, uh, I'm sort of fascinated by, with this because I think a lot of people are struggling with loved ones who are going through this or, or going through it themselves. Is the perception now that uh, going into a nursing home is sort of the final stage of your life, uh, except in that rehab? Yeah, we situation? hope not because there are 160,000 people that access nursing facilities every year, two-thirds of which go home after receiving their rehab. So I hope that the, the image of the skilled nursing facility has changed in so much as it's a place to help you get back home to your community. But your point earlier was that more and more people are staying longer in their homes and mm -hmm. probably at some point reach a point where they're unable to do that. So that's why I ask whether... A absolutely, that, that's true. Um, anybody who can be home is home. The only right. people who come to long term to nursing homes for long-term care for the rest of their life are people who really don't have any other options because even with services in the community, they may not be safe at home. Mm. So t talk a little bit about what your legislative strategy, we're, we're just down the street from Beacon Hill here. What are you hoping to accomplish on Beacon Hill? Well, I first would say that the legislature has been enormously uh, supportive of nursing facilities in their districts. They recognize the need to invest in our workforce as well as protect resident care. So we're asking those legislators to continue to support and lead on this issue by, um, through the budget process, updating rates using 2017 costs. So we're it's called a base year update, and that's what we're asking legislators to do. We also have a couple of, of priority pieces of legislation. One is a nursing home stabilization bill that structurally begins to change the way nursing facilities are paid so that it better reflects the cost that Naomi incurs in caring for Medicaid residents. And then the second piece of legislation we have is a called a quality jobs initiative. So really recognizing that we need to invest in our our workforce. And there are three main components of that initiative, which is one, a living wage for our staff. The second is to give our workers opportunity to advance, the so-called career ladders, encourage them to go back to community college or to university to move up the career ladder. And then the third is making sure we are um, adopting those cultures of support within our building so we have good, strong supervisors and leaders in, in within our sector, too. So the budget item would be the one raising the the, the year base year Correct. for okay, and I take it that was not in the governor's proposed budget. That's right. So you're hoping that the legislature will then step in and amend his budget to include this type of provision. Yes. So we're having a series of 
certainly meetings up at the state house as well as um, visits and tours within nursing facilities to really put a face on this issue as well as the urgency of needing to stabilize the sector. And making that change, how much would it mean for the uh, nursing home industry in the state? It, we would um, the cost to the Commonwealth would be seventy five million dollars, half of which under the Medicaid Medicare program is reimbor- reimbursed by the federal government, and that would be a four percent increase uh, for nursing facilities, which is an, is a critical uh, next step. It doesn't solve the entire program uh, issue. We still need to be working with um, our colleagues in the administration and the legislature to really move on a long term stable. Naomi, what what would that, if that were to pass in the budget, what would that mean for your facility? Well, it would certainly mean that we would feel confident about paying our staff a living wage. That's for sure. Um, As Tara mentioned, 75% of every dollar goes into staff wages. And so it would mean that we would be be much better positioned to pay our staff to have uh, career ladders within our own organization and to look towards the future so to make sure that we can evolve to meet the changing needs and demands. Naomi, thanks for joining us. And Tara, you too. I really appreciate it filling us on on this. And uh, I look forward to see a lively debate up at the Statehouse, it sounds like. And to our listeners, we'll see you next week. Thank you. Thank you.